Blog Talk Radio. And starring the mad prophet of the airways, Howard Systems, and he died at 11 o'clock this morning of a heart condition, and woe is us. We're in a lot of trouble. So, a rich little man with white hair died. What has that got to do with the price of rice, right? And why is that woe to us? Because you people and 62 million other Americans are listening to me right now. Because less than 3% of you people read books. Because less than 15% of you read newspapers. Because the only truth you know is what you get over this tube. Right now, there is a whole, an entire generation that never knew anything that didn't come out of this tube. This tube is the gospel, the ultimate revelation. This tube can make or break presidents, popes, prime ministers. This tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. And woe is us if it ever falls into the hands of the wrong people. And that's why woe is us that Edward George Ruddy died. Because this company is now in the hands of CCA, the Communication Corporation of America. There's a new chairman of the board, a man called Frank Hackett, sitting in Mr. Ruddy's office on the 20th floor. And when the 12th largest company in the world controls the most awesome goddamn propaganda force in the whole godless world, who knows what shit will be paid for truth on this network. So you listen to me. Listen to me. Television is not the truth. Television is a goddamn amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. So if you want the truth, go to God. Go to your gurus. Go to yourselves. Because that's the only place you're ever going to find any real truth. But man, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like hell. We'll tell you that uh, Kojak always gets the killer and that nobody ever gets cancer in Archie Bunker's house. And no matter how much trouble the hero is in, don't worry. Just look at your watch. At the end of the hour, he's going to win. We'll tell you any shit you want to hear. We did in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off.
Hello, and welcome to this edition of V-Radio. That was a clip from the movie Network. Um, Tonight, I wanted to read some information that I had found on Facebook, uh, actually, that was from a credible source. Uh, The individual who brought it to everybody's attention was a person named Jeremy Young. I actually link his uh, Twitter in the description of this episode, and I will be reading his work. And I also provided a link to the... uh, actual scientific article that he got his work from. So, um, without further ado, we can now read the report on COVID-19 that so terrified every public health manager and head of state from Boris Johnson to Donald Trump to the dictator of El Salvador that they ordered people to stay in their houses. I read it yesterday afternoon and haven't been the same since. I urge everyone to read it that maybe have a drink first or have your family around you. It is absolutely terrifying. The New York Times confirms that the CDC and global um, leaders are treating it as factual. Here's a brief rundown of what I'm seeing in here. Please correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. The COVID-19 response team at Imperial College in London obtained what appears to be the first accurate data set of infection and death rates from China, Korea, and Italy. They plugged those numbers into widely available epidemic modeling software and ran a simulation. What would happen if the United States did absolutely nothing? If we had treated COVID-19 like the flu, went about business as usual, and let the virus take its course? Here's what would happen. 80% of Americans would get the disease. 0.9% of them would die. Between 4 and 8% of all Americans over the age of 70 would die. 2.2 million Americans would die from the virus itself. It gets worse. People who are in danger of dying from COVID-19 need to be put on ventilators. 50% of those put on ventilators still die, but the other 50% live. But in an unmitigated epidemic, the need for ventilators would be 30 times the number of ventilators in the United States. Virtually no one who needed a ventilator would get one. 100% of patients who need ventilators would die if they didn't get one. So the actual death toll from the virus would be closer to 4 million Americans in a span of three months. 8 to 15% of all Americans over 70 would die. How many people is 4 million Americans? It's more Americans than have ever died all at once from anything, ever. It's the population of Los Angeles. It's four times the number of Americans who died in the Civil War, on both sides combined. It's two-thirds as many people as died in the Holocaust. Americans make up 4.4% of the world's population, so if we simply extrapolate these numbers to the rest of the world, now we're getting into the really fuzzy estimates. So the margin of error is pretty great here. This gives us 90 million deaths globally from COVID-19. That's 15 Holocaust. Holocaust, 1.5 times as many people as died in World War II over 12 years. This would take three to six months. Now, It's unrealistic to assume that countries wouldn't do anything to fight the virus once people started dying, so the Imperial College team ran the numbers again, this time assuming a, quote, mitigation strategy. A mitigation strategy is pretty much what common sense would tell us to do. America places all symptomatic cases of the disease in isolation. It quarantines their families for 14 days. It orders all Americans over 70 to practice social distancing. This is what you've seen a lot of people talking about when they say we should, quote, flatten the curve. Try to slow the spread of the disease to the point that the people most likely to die from it 
to avoid, uh, rather, yeah, to slow the spread of the disease to the people who are most likely to die from it, and then to avoid overwhelming the hospitals. And it does flatten the curve, but not nearly enough. The death rate from the disease is cut in half, but it still kills 1.1 million Americans all by itself. The ventilators in the U.S. I'm sorry, the peak peak needed for ventilators falls by two-thirds, but it still exceeds the number of ventilators in the U.S. by eight times, meaning most people who need ventilators still don't get them. That leaves the actual death toll in the U.S. at right around two million deaths, the population of Houston. Two civil wars, one-third of a holocaust. Globally, 45 million people will die, 7.5 holocausts, three-quarters of World War II. That's what happens if we use common sense the worst death toll from a single cause since the Middle Ages. Finally, the Imperial College team ran the numbers a third time, this time assuming a, quote, suppression strategy. In addition to isolating symptomatic cases and quarantining their family members, they also simulated social distancing for the entire population. All public gatherings and most workplaces would be shut down. Schools and universities closed. Note, that these simulations assume a realistic rate of adherence to these requirements, around 70 to 75% adherence. Not that everyone follows them perfectly. This is basically what we are seeing happen in the United States today. This time it works. The death rate in the U.S. peak uh, peaks three weeks from now at a few thousand deaths, then goes down. We hit, but do not exceed, at least not by very much, the number of available ventilators. The nightmarish death tolls from the rest of the study disappear. COVID-19 goes down in the books as a bad flu instead of the Black Death. But here's the catch. If we ever relax these requirements before a vaccine is administered to the entire population, COVID-19 comes right back and kills millions of Americans in a few months, the same as before. The simulation does indicate that after first suppression period, lasting from about now until July, we could probably lift restrictions for a month, followed by two more months of suppression, in a repeating pattern without triggering an outbreak or overwhelming the ventilator supply. If we stagger these suppression breaks based on local conditions, we might be able to do a bit better, but we simply cannot ever allow the virus to spread throughout the entire population in the way other viruses do because it is just too deadly. If lots of people we know end up getting COVID-19, it means millions of Americans are dying. It simply can't be allowed to happen. How quickly will a vaccine be here? Already medical ethics have been pushed to the limit to deliver one. COVID-19 was first discovered a few months ago. Last week, three separate research teams announced they had developed vaccines. Yesterday, one of them, with FDA approval, injected its vaccine into a live person without waiting for animal testing. Now, though, they have to monitor the test subject for 14 months to make sure the vaccine is safe. This is the part of the testing that can't be rushed. The plan is to inoculate the entire human population, so if the vaccine itself turned out to be lethal for some reason, it could potentially kill all humans, which is not worse than 90 million deaths, or rather, which is a lot worse, sorry, than 90 million deaths. Assuming the vaccine is safe and effective, it will still take several months to produce enough to inoculate the global population. For this reason, the Imperial College team estimated it will be about 18 months until the vaccine is available. During those 18 months, things are going to be very difficult and very scary. Our economy and our society will be disrupted in profound ways. Worst of all, if the suppression policies actually work, it will feel like we are doing all this for nothing because the infection and the death rates will be very low. It's easy to get people to come together in common sacrifice in the middle of a war. It's very hard to get them to do so in a pandemic that looks invisible precisely because suppression methods are working. But that's exactly what we're going to have to do. 
I provide a link uh, to the actual um, scientific paper that he put this report together from. It was very well written. And um, I also provide a link to his Twitter. I had actually linked this on my own Facebook because I had to copy and paste it because his part of it would not share for some reason whenever I shared the link. Anyway, I would definitely follow up on that. But I guess the, the best point to make of all of this is that this is not optional. We have to do this or it just gets exponentially worse. It, it doesn't improve. So basically, we can get through this and it won't kill everybody, but it's going to require a lot of adherence to something that very much feels like fascism. It, it, we're going to have to sit in our houses like prisoners. We're going to have to be very careful about when we leave. We're going to have to be um, especially careful about not getting, you know, and not infecting ourselves and not infecting others. You know, um, the funny thing is, is I looked around for some films to try to give me and my kids actually an idea of how important this was. So I just watched the film Contagion. And while the virus in the movie Contagion is far deadlier than COVID-19, the transmission means that, you know, essentially the ways that it is transmitted through bodily fluids and through like, you know, being around somebody who's coughing or sneezing uh, was very similar to COVID-19. And it helped to give my kids an understanding of this is why you're not going to your friend's house this weekend. You know, this is why we wash our hands every time we get into the house. This is the why we're staying six feet away from people because it spreads so fast. And you don't even really think about it in day-to-day -day life. We're so used to being able to just take our, uh, um, our immune system for granted. So today at work, for example, I was going out of my way to disinfect a lot of things that I wouldn't even have normally even thought about. And that include like uh, the screen on my cash register. You know, I was using hand sanitizer all the time. I was you know, being very careful to close the window and the drive through as fast as possible, just in case anybody sneezed. Um, I didn't actually see very many people that I thought would have been sick, but I have seen people who are sick enough that it would make me wonder if they had it. So um, anyway, I guess it's difficult. You know, one of the things that they keep trying to point out in these reports that I think is very important is that this is something that it gets out of hand, but it gets out of the hand, you know, out of hand in the same way that the frog in the boiling water, like, you know, that gets essentially taken in is that you don't, the frog doesn't realize that the water is going to be boiling until it's too late. And that's, but it's a slow process. So the frog thinks that it's safe at first. That's essentially what this is like. The difference is, is that if we don't get out of the water, which is by following these processes, we definitely will have far more death. And, you know, another thing that I keep dealing with is that people who are talking about this topic, they keep saying, well, it's only old people, you know, or how can they say that it's linked to their, you know, to this, you know, they had underlying health conditions. And I try to get across to them that underlying health conditions are not always something that they necessarily think about because there are people with underlying health conditions that are not necessarily readily visible. So for example, my daughter right now is having some severe breathing problems, I think in part due to a neurological disorder. The doctors haven't completely figured it out, but basically she went from being an elite national level wrestling competitor to being somebody who gets winded doing the laundry and there's something about her airways that is closing them. If she got something like this, she could die. There's no question. 
anybody who's immune suppressed, well, they think, oh, well, that's just old people. No, it's not just old people. There are a lot of people actually who have immune suppressions and they look healthy when you look at them. So you don't realize it when you're walking around that you're risking the lives of people who might look completely healthy. Um, but the reality is, is that you're essentially carrying a gun and pointing at them if you're infected and you're around these people, or if you're taking any chances that could lead to them being infected. So anyway, um, for those of you who this is your first time tuning in, thank you for um, tuning in today. And um, if you'd be interested in supporting my show on Patreon, it's not a requirement by any means. And I know what the situation is, it is right now, kind of expecting anybody to pay, you know, be a patron for the show is going to be difficult. I'm in a situation myself where I work in the restaurant business and they're already cutting hours exponentially. And it's just a matter of time, I think, before we get laid off in general. Um, I'm hoping that some of these packages that they're trying to pass in Congress and the Senate get through, but I'm noticing a pattern that for whatever reason, um, you know, so for example, they passed the reform for additional uh, unemployment. And the problem is, is that there's an exclusion that anybody who has over 500 employees doesn't have to participate. Well, that's me. So in other words, that thing that they just proposed doesn't help me at all. Uh, then they proposed this new thing about these tax payouts to people that would be like direct checks that are sent. But they put the clause in it that people without tax liability would only get about $600. Meanwhile, people with tax liability were going to get, you know, $1,200. And because of the fact that I'm a poor father of two, single parent, you know, I have no tax liability, but I need that money more than somebody who makes, you know, who has more tax liability. So both of the things that just got passed, of course, managed to aptly dodge out of my way. Now, mind you, $600 is not $0, and it would certainly be helpful, but it's not going to pay my rent. Um, you know, and they have pointed out that, yeah, they've, they've stopped all evictions, but I guarantee you that when this is all over, if I just stop paying rent on my apartment, they're not going to just say, yeah, and don't worry about that last, you know, 18 months. We're not going to charge you for that. There's no way. Unless they were legally forced to do that, they're still going to expect to get their money. So anyway... One of the reasons that I got back on was to try to address situations like this. I do have a lot more free time and um, I used to do a hell of a lot more of these shows and I would bring on activists. Uh, I'd bring on presidential candidates, congressmen, senators, a lot of documentary filmmakers. And you can actually listen to the archives of my old shows. Just be aware of the fact that my political views and my activist views have changed like all over the spectrum over the course of the time that this radio show has been in existence, going all the way back to 2008. If you would like to participate in the chat room, um, you have to just make a free Blog Talk Radio account. You can also there choose to um, follow me. You don't have to be, you don't have to pay anything to be a Blog Talk Radio member. It's basically, it's meant for you to be able to do things just like you would for YouTube. You can, you know, choose who you subscribe to. And you can subscribe to me on this show here if you want and it'll email you whenever I'm going live or whenever I schedule an episode. Um, anyway, I'm also planning eventually to upload these to YouTube. The problem is, is that I, for whatever reason, can't remember the password and uh, it's set up for an email that I no longer have because the webmaster for the previous uh, website that I had had, vradio.org, um, is no longer doing that. So anyway, um, I also had some other things uh, that I wanted to talk about before I get into the next segment, but um, 
I wanted to announce that I'm doing an alternative candidate series. And that means that I'm going to be inviting third party and independent candidates for president from all over the gym on my shows. And I plan to do a series of, first of all, individual shows with different third party candidates from the Green Party, the Libertarian Party. I mean, really, I'll bring on anybody as long as they're not, you know, as long as they're a serious candidate. Um, and then eventually, I want to lead to have debates for each one of those parties. So, for example, I'll have a Libertarian candidate debate for their nomination. I'll have a Green Party debate for their nomination um, and so on. And then I want to culminate that finally in a debate series during the general election. Um, because it is my intention that I'm going to advise you people that it's time to start looking at other parties because the two-party duopoly has essentially completely failed us. So anyway, that's, but one of the reasons I'm making this announcement also to my more regular viewers is that, or listeners, is that uh, the views of the people I'm bringing on do not necessarily reflect my views. I mean, I'm planning on bringing Constitution Party candidates on. The Constitution Party is kind of a right, highly religious group, and that's not me, but I want to give them a voice anyway. Um, the, a lot of libertarians, I wouldn't say that I agree with a lot of, I certainly am not a free market capitalist, but that doesn't mean that I don't believe that they should have, you know, an opportunity for a voice. And I think at the long run, this is something that I've said to a few people recently was that, you know, as a forward thinking person, if my friends are conservative, then I would much rather that they voted for a libertarian than a Republican. You know, like if they had to pick between Donald Trump and a nice guy like Gary Johnson, you know, I'd pick Gary Johnson over Donald Trump any day, you know, but people don't know that they have these like alternatives. It sends a message to the major parties. People talk about it throwing like, you know, throwing your vote away or whatever. But the truth is, is if you're voting for an establishment candidate, you're throwing your vote away anyway. And, you know, this comes back to something that um, I'm actually going to have this guy hopefully in on Tuesday. He was the Socialist Party candidate in 2008. And he pointed out to me that in the old days, the original Social Workers, Socialist Workers Party actually used to be very powerful. And that the whole reason why the Democrats swing to the left to the point of being progressive in the first place was because they were trying to court, court the voting base that was part of the Socialist Workers Party. And that's the reason why so many people call people like, you know, like Democrats socialists. The truth is, is they're not socialists. But in order to try to placate them, they brought them into the fold. You know, so there was essentially like a marriage of the centrist Democrat to the progressive slash socialist working party. And now it feels like that marriage is just turned into a an abusive relationship where the husband is neglecting their wife, so to speak. And you know, because they, the Democratic Party definitely doesn't care about um, the progressives at all. So anyway, that's why that's my announcement for that. I will be starting those up. I'm actually hoping to have um, is a former governor and senator who's running for the Libertarian um, ticket on tomorrow. I haven't finalized that. I also have a candidate coming on Sunday from the Libertarian Party. Um, okay, Lincoln Sheffi. I don't know if I said that right. But um, he's hopefully going to be on tomorrow. And um, I have another candidate named Sam uh, Webb. He's coming on on Sunday. And um, I'm opening up now to try to talk to the Green Party, the Socialist Party, and the different third parties that have any kind of credibility and to invite them on. So now the next thing that I wanted to do, um, 
I don't normally do this, but I was on YouTube and there's a YouTube guy. I actually put a link to his, um, his channel, uh, to give credit where credit is due in my, um, description for this episode that I did kind of shooting from the hip and I'm going to play the audio of his YouTube video. Now, the reason that I'm doing this is that he's already been um, cited by GameStop's corporation for this, because basically what he did is he recorded a conference, a corporate conference, um, sorry, a corporate conference call um, from GameStop. And you get to listen to GameStop general managers talking to the corporate, you know, high ups and just the, totally psychopathic, you know, way over profit motive stuff that they're doing um, during this pandemic. Because GameStop, if you remember, the majority of stores have been having a lot of trouble, not just for GameStop, but retail in general is taking a hit due to Amazon. But now everybody's scrambling over to GameStop to get their video games because they think they're going to be locked in their house for 18 months. So GameStop is getting this surge of business. The problem is, is that they're not really taking any kind of precautions. They're not even like providing disinfectant to their stores. Um, you know, I'll let the, the recording do the work for itself. And you're going to hear his voice. He has a Southern accent. So to be clear, <laughs> as soon as I start this recording, you're not listening to V radio anymore. You're listening to this gentleman's work. And part of the reason I'm kind of being vague about who I'm talking about is because I don't want them to delete my show. I'm trying to just keep this um, available and if later on, if he wants to use it again or if somebody else wants it, one of the things he requested in his YouTube video was to spread it around because he's concerned that this information is going to get deleted because this really lays naked, all, you know, in all of its splendor, the corporate evil that's going on at GameStop. And I don't just want to beat up on them. I can tell you that pretty much the entire capitalist industry is trying to figure out ways to make money in this situation, and they don't care about people. I'm encountering that firsthand, even where I work. Um, they only care about their bottom line, and they're all lining up to figure out how best to capitalize, in quotes, on this pandemic. So I'm going to go ahead and start playing that. Now, it's like 40 minutes long, but he does a very good job in his presentation. So here we go. Camelot331 here, and I may have done something a little insane. <laughs> I may have snuck onto a conference call for GameStop where they're discussing this huge epidemic that's going on right now. And this is extremely exclusive, and you will only be seeing this here. This is pretty insane. And let me tell you one thing. The associates that work in these stores, the managers, are so pissed off about how GameStop is handling this whole situation. They are livid, and you're about to hear them right now. Ask their boss. What's going on? The head of stores. It's a regional call with everyone on it, including me. <laughs> but before we get into it, make sure you give this video a thumbs up, doodle, and make sure you subscribe if you haven't. So without further ado, let's let's get into it. A few things. Um, first off, just in terms of, of travel itself, um, I've asked all uh, AMDMs and Paul um, to stop all travel for the foreseeable future. So your uh, field leaders will be in for sure to visit you. But in some cases, you know what, um, some inventories or uh, visits that were planned, we've canceled them because I need yep. everybody uh, on the ground and staying local. That doesn't mean they won't be reaching out to you uh, with emails and calls, but, you know, for for what we're going through right now, we have to take, you know, different measures. So 
that's the position that I, I took and what I want the uh, field leaders to follow, which I know they will. So this is what's happening here. Everybody corporate, like field leaders, which includes district managers, regional leaders, you know, HR, LP, anybody that may be traveling, you know, corporate people, not the people in the stores, they get to stay home. <laughs> They're not going to be traveling. They're going to be staying home, you know, running through emails and stuff. They're not going to be going to these stores because they don't want to be subjected to infection. Well, what about the damn associates that's in the store? That's fine. It's fine. Who cares if they're infected, right? They're not really a big deal. We don't really care about them. Let's continue. A lot of information coming through from mall teams, without a doubt, or mall management. There's a lot of stuff um, through the provincial government, uh, depending where you live, certainly the federal government every day. There's also, unfortunately, there's a lot of rumors, uh, which doesn't help, but that's kind of human nature. That happens, especially with social media. So in terms of communication, I'd ask you to really make sure Whatever you hear, um, you make sure it's from a valid source, provincial, federal government, myself, Paul, right, Janine's team, SSD. You know, there's going to be valid communication comes up. There's going to be just craziness. Okay. So what he's saying right here, this guy, by the way, is the head of stores. He's over everybody. This is what he's saying. Don't listen to anything you hear, okay? Don't listen to none of it unless it comes from our team like the GameStop team, because they've always told them the truth and been up front with them this whole time about everything else. It's fine. <laughs> it sounds like a legit plan. Let's continue. Um, I know there's been a lot of questions around uh, cleaning, hand wipes, twice, uh, sanitizers, uh, and what have you. Mala, who's in charge of supplies at the office, pushing out um, whatever's left of hand sanitizers to you guys. She's tracking down more to come for next week as you can appreciate with that, and also Clorox White, she's got more coming next week. It's very difficult to get, and she's been working real Talking. hard to get more for you guys, supplies-wise. So there's going to be more on the way. Same thing with Kleenex, tissue, paper, right, um, to help you guys out. Um, and if you run into a situation, you run out, you have to expense it as a store manager, you, or buy yourself. On, you yeah. certainly can do that, right? Um, so we've heard this. This is the allegation that they lied in this press release saying that they're going to provide all their stores for cleaning supplies, hand sanitizers, and whatnot. They never had any intention of doing it. Now they're saying on this call that we're going to try to get it to you next week. So what about this week? What about the associates that's in the stores right now? This week? Currently? What? So I guess the virus just doesn't exist this week? Does it take weekends off? I know these guys have taken weekends off their whole career, you know, because they're corporate, but I don't think they realize that the virus doesn't take weekends off. They might be a little confused. So they don't have any hand sanitizer or anything, and they're going to try to get some. Apparently it's hard to get. Or you could just go buy it yourself. Oh, damn, they're sold out. Well, still got to go to work. So let me throw it open now to you guys. Um, questions, things you'd like me to address, things like to uh, bring up, please go ahead. Okay, so this guy basically gave his speech about, you know, what's going on, what the climate is like. Now, this is when the associates start asking questions directly to him on this conference call. Are you ready for this? <laughs> good, good. Uh, just a quick question. Um, is there precautions in place in case one of the team members does contract this, and then what do we do with the rest of the staff in the store? This guy's question is what happens if somebody in the store contracts this, you know, virus? What happens? What are they going to do? Let's see their response. 
different there's different aspects to this. There's different ways that we're dealing with it. If we did have a situation in store where we had somebody that tested positive, of course we would take that very seriously. Of course. Um, we do have protocols in place to ensure that, first of all, if that did happen, we would shut the store down. We would bring a cleaning crew in to ensure that the entire store was sanitized, certainly. Um, and then we would look to next steps. Um, but um, but we do have protocols in place, and we have discussed different scenarios and um, what would be our um, course of action to deal with it. Thanks, Ty. That was a good question. Okay, so apparently they're going to bring in a cleaning crew, which is just more associates to sanitize the store with cleaning supplies that they don't actually have, and then they're just going to continue working, the associates that's already been in contact with this person. So if somebody gets sick, they'll just be sent home, the store is cleaned, and then they just continue working. I read it on the Reddit recently. Somebody contracted it on the Reddit, and they just sent them home and just kept working. The ASM was sent home, and the other people just kept working after they'd already been in contact with them, which leaves their customers and their associates completely vulnerable to this virus, completely. Again, they don't care at all. They're going to make them keep going. So let's continue. Hey, um, kind of a loaded question, but it's piggybacking off the last one here. And I think this is going to be a question that everybody wants to ask, but nobody is. But especially in my location here, about half of my store at Westminster Mall, all the mall, about half of the mall is closed with the narrowing of the hours, knowing that we've got a lot of forced isolation coming on to a lot of the people around here. We actually have a massive increase in traffic in our store. Already today, we've had well over 50 to 75 transactions, which is way more than normal Tuesday. We have an increase in density in our store, whether it's in the store or outside of the store, it doesn't matter. One of my associates is subject to being around those people. And when we see things like they have the choice to not come into work, if they feel like they're in that position, we're seeing all these other companies offering compensation for taking this time off. I feel like we're putting our guys in a position where they have to choose between their livelihood and their personal health. I'm wondering if we've had those conversations at a high level about taking care of the people who work before us. Oh! <laughs> All right. So, this is what's happening here. He's asking if people choose not to work, or they're too scared to come in, or they're sent home. Do they get compensation for it? They just asked one of the executives, which is the lady we keep hearing. She's one of the executives along with the guy. Um, Are they going to get paid for it? What do you think they're about to say? What do you think? <laughs> Let's hear it. We have had those conversations. Again, I think each situation is unique. We're trying to provide information. However, it's not a perfect world, and I don't have an answer that, yes, blanketly, we would be able to pay wages for everybody who chose not to work. Oh! Did you hear her wording? It's not a perfect world. We can't pay everyone's wages if people choose not to to work. They choose not to work. Think about that. They choose not to work. Her wording right there. They're choosing not to work. No. They're choosing their freaking life. That's what they're doing. They're choosing their loved one's life. The elderly. Their grandparents' life. Because they're more susceptible to this thing. And they're, you're saying, oh, they're not choosing to work. Sorry, it's not a perfect world. We can't pay all their wages. That is absolutely dis. Disgusting. It is disgusting. It is not a perfect world. 
We can't pay everyone's wages if they choose not to work. Wow, if they're choosing, you're choosing not to be here. Sorry, you're choosing it. Well, I have to pay my bills. So it's either I come in and risk my health and the health of my loved ones, or I can't pay my freaking rent. Seems like you're creating the environment for me to have to choose. Right? Let's continue. Well, it's an ongoing discussion, however, and I understand the concerns. Believe me, I'm concerned too, as is Tim and um, sure Paul and, and all, all the leaders are. Um, we understand the angst. We understand the concern. Doubt um, it. And we have spent Doubt it. all day uh, having these discussions with store managers. So we, we, we hear you loud and clear. Tim, Chad is 1722. Um, is there, just to like put it kind of bluntly here, is there a point in which we're just going to put people over profits and just close the stores? Like, is this something you're discussing actively? Um, no, you're going to get fired, dude. What are you doing? Um, every, there, was post, there, was, there was a post on, sorry, one, just one more thing. Sure. The company put up a post on Facebook today saying, don't worry, we're still open. And I don't know if you've read the comments, but there's like 150 comments of people just saying, you're terrible, close your stores. Um, I'm not saying that's what everybody thinks, but yeah. it, it looks like a bad look. Um, and, yeah. And, and then along that timeline, we just sort of have to go like, you know what? We just need to shut it down for a couple of weeks and be proactive wow. about this instead of waiting until all of our associates start getting sick. Wow. <laughs> He's saying, okay, I'm going to reiterate his question if you didn't hear it. When are we going to start putting people over profits? This is a very bad look for GameStop. It looks absolutely terrible. Everybody's pissed as hell. It seems as though GameStop is totally just worried about one thing, and that's the almighty dollar, and that's it. Your loved ones, they can die as far as they're concerned. But this guy's asking, when are we just going to close it down? When are we just going to close it down but are we going to just wait until our employees get sick? Let's see what this guy, the executive at GameStop, responds with. Well, it's, and, and, you know, um, it's, it's a daily conversation. And Janine and I were just on a call uh, about it with the rest of the yeah. executive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amazon, and and it's, it's, it's day by day, you know. And in, in some cases, like, it, you know, the government's saying, oh, keep everything open. That's fine, right? Some retailers make their own decision for their own reasons. Some are closing and not paying their associates. Some are forcing them to use vacation. I mean, all that. But for, for sure, it, it, it's it, definitely it, difficult. I just want to know that it's yeah. something that we're, we're thinking about. Uh, right? so. and it, it's day by day. Absolutely. Day by day. And, I mean, you know, you know we're always going to be transparent with you guys. We're, all, we're always going to tell you things on the up and up. And, and I'm telling you right now, it's a daily conversation, daily meeting, daily, daily discussion. And, you know, it isn't just one part of the country. We've, we've got to look at, you know, the whole thing, too, without a doubt. And, and absolutely, you know, um, it, it's a tough time. And you know what makes it so tough is none of us have been through it before, right? And we absolutely, and this is one of the reasons I want to have these calls with you guys. I couldn't send out an email and just said, okay, here we go, right? But I needed to hear from you guys. And this feedback is all good, but in, in terms of closing and, and the hours and that, it's a daily discussion, absolutely. So his answer was a bunch of corporate nonsense. He just said, we're taking it day by day. It's day by day. He didn't answer anything. He didn't answer a single thing. He's like, hey, what are we going to do? Or are we just going to wait till our employees get sick? And he's like, well... We're taking it day by day. So, 
Yeah, we're taking it day by day. That was his whole answer. We're taking it day by day. He said that like eight times. Day by day. Apparently, that's the answer. <laughs> day by day. <laughs> Copy and paste. Let's continue. Uh, hi, this is Robin from 1767. I just have a quick question because I know we're still picking trades in right now. Um, would it be okay, just because sometimes we'll bring in like controllers and, you know, they're not the cleanest. Is it okay for us to refuse to take those ones right now? Or, like, are we just going to take everything in? Uh-oh, the trade question. You guys knew this was coming. Can we not take trades, please? Because these trades are definitely going to be riddled. Okay, they're gonna have they're gonna be contaminated. Okay, you're gonna have somebody that's gonna be hard up for cash because they don't, you know, their job may have laid them off or something because of this, and they're coming in with a controller that is covered with this whole deal, this whole epidemic. It's covered all over the damn controller's just dripping with it, and that associate's gonna have to take it. So what do you think happens then? Well, a smart company will be like, we're gonna hold off for just a little while to keep our employees and our customers safe. Well, you remember my corporate contact and what they said about it. So what do you think his response is going to be? The question is, can we please not take trades, please? Let's listen. Yeah, that's another thing we've been discussing. And, and I, I've been asked this question about that. And also, you know, are we still going to take cash? Because apparently, the, you know, the World Health Organization came out. But no government has really backed that up. And, and they did say a few weeks back, you know, um, um, you shouldn't take cash, you could spread it, right? And, and the government hasn't really commented on that. In terms of the trades, we're still going to take them in, without a doubt. Oh. Um, knowing that, you know, uh, like any other thing, you could handle anywhere, you know. But at this point, we are still taking trades in. You know, like anything else you handle, you want to be, be careful with it. But if they, oh, yeah, for sure. Dude, she's well, panicking. Something is not in a resellable condition like any other trade. You've always had the right to refuse it. That's not the question. Right? If you can't truly resell that product, that's always been our policy. Trade, that's not the right? question. want to take a look at it. So if that was the case and something was just not acceptable, yeah, you certainly can. And, and obviously we want to handle that in a professional way and say, look, I'm not able to resell that. I can't accept it. So they will absolutely continue to take trades regardless of who brings it in and the situation. Somebody could come in completely, completely infected with this thing. Instead of self-isolating like they should be, you know, not everybody's going to choose to just do that. They're going to go out and do things because they don't give a damn, you know, whatever. They're going to go in these stores and trade something in, and this poor person behind the counter is completely vulnerable to it. Their family's vulnerable to it. Everyone is vulnerable to it now. Does GameStop care? No, they're not going to halt their trade policy at all. They will take absolutely everything. And his defense is, well, you can catch it anywhere. And the government hasn't said that you can catch it off a controller. So we're going to keep taking them. Is the government really going to come out and be like, hey, uh, GameStop, you probably shouldn't take trades? No, they're not. They're not going to say that. They're going to be like, hey, go damn home. They've already said that. They've already said close your stores. They've already said go home. They've already said freaking self-isolate. And they're not doing any of that. So why the hell would they listen to the government if they told them not to take trades? They're not going to. Profit over people. Right there. From the executive's mouth. Let's continue. Dustin from 2230. That's a quick question. Sure. We tried to 
tried to reach out to customer service today for a customer inquiry, but they had said that there was uh, the department was closed and to reach out through email. No, the department is not closed. I can answer that. They're not taking calls right now. The majority of the communication that they get is via email. Oh, so the customer service, the corporate office, is uh, they're they're definitely still working. She said, but they're only taking emails. I wonder why they're only taking email. It's because they're not at the office to answer the phone because they're all at home. The corporate office is all at home. The district leaders all at home. The regional leaders all at home. The executives all at home. Where it's safe. Where are their employees at? They're all in these stores on the front lines. Why? Profit over people. Um, yeah, Brandon from A96 here. Um, part of our, our hiring process is doing a reference check. And one of those questions is um, how do... How does a candidate make their own judgment calls? And I think um, my, one of my biggest questions here is, as a company, um, what, what sort of judgment calls are we making? I mean, there's very specific parts of our communities that are quite vulnerable to this virus, and being open is encouraging people to come to our stores, which makes us a hot spot for transmission. Um, it's, I mean, it's a part of our duty as, as humans to make sure that we're not doing that. There's elderly people, healthcare workers, family members that are immunocompromised, all these things. I mean, with crowds standing outside of our store for Animal Crossing, even if we're not letting them in, it just seems quite quite dangerous for us to be doing that. What what, what sort of judgment is he doing um, that isn't requiring federal involvement? His question is, what kind of gut judgment call, like responsible judgment calls, is GameStop making to not transmit these things because being open encourages people to come in. GameStop's not doing their due diligence to make that not happen. They're just keeping the stores completely open and they're not even commenting on it. I tweeted at them and it has like hundreds of retweets and they haven't responded and they're not going to. And all I did was say, hey, you need to accept responsibility for what's going on. Okay? You need to close your stores and reassure your associates that they're going to be safe and taken care of they're not going to respond because they don't have any intention of taking care of their associates and making them feel safe. Well, that's, you know, as I, uh, uh, I mentioned, you know, in terms of controlling the crowd coming in, if somebody's lined up outside your store, right, and this is where with your malls, you got to talk to them. And, and I mentioned this earlier, right? you got to work with your malls and sure there could be a lineup, right? And um, you can't control a lineup outside your store. You're responsible for the lease line in. In terms of, you know, people coming in and still staying open, like I mentioned, it's a day-by-day discussion. Things could change this time tomorrow. Day by I, day. I don't know, right? But we're having daily discussions on it because we're taking it seriously. Daily. And we know, you know, um, really, we're a hot location right now because with people, you know, deciding to stay or having rather to stay home because, like, the kids are off or, you know, whatever number of reasons. Hey, they're coming into our store and they're grabbing product. And, and you know what? We're helping her to make a great experience. I know you guys are. Um, that, it's kind of a nature of how our business is, right? So we are looking at that, but we also know, yeah, I mean, exactly um, what you're saying is people are coming in and we have to be careful of that. So I think you also, you know, in a mall, you got to work with your your um, mall manager in terms of, of control for that. And then we know they're willing to do that. In a strip, as I said, you have to, you know, you've got permission to control it as it comes in. Absolutely. Um, the other thing around, you know, the launch Friday, you, you, 
people can come Saturday if you, if you want to welcome them to do that or Sunday, you know, um, the scheduling of the pickup, I think is what a great idea. We're looking at every option we can, but, um, you know, you have to know how fluid this is and how much it changes day to day, but we're certainly having discussions every day on it. Day by day. So his suggestion is tell somebody that's going to come in Friday to come in Saturday instead. So does the virus take weekends off? So if somebody has the virus Friday, do they not have it Saturday nor Sunday? Again, I know it's really hard for the executives to understand because they've never worked a, a weekend in their life, but the virus doesn't take weekends off. So if somebody has it Friday and you tell them to come in Saturday, they still have the damn virus. What the? Oof, this is some big brain GameStop science right here. Big brain GameStop science. I don't even know what the hell is happening right now. Let's continue. Tim, it's Tyson2221 again. I just have another quick question. Sure. Um, so being a, a leader in the store, I've been getting, um, because of the um, everyday uncertainty, I've been getting staff coming up to me and they're scared. Uh, they're worried. Um, they're starting to think that, you know, the, the dollar is more important than them here. Uh, so I've been trying to reassure them. But can you guys, from an HR point of view, send up something saying that, Okay, man, this is like so sad. Like, it, like, like, kind of like bums me out. He said his whole staff is scared and they don't know what to do, and everybody's scared. They're all worried. You know what I'm saying? They don't know what to do. Like, listen to how like just diminished his attitude is. Like he's so stretched thin, you can hear it in his voice. Let's see how they respond. Okay, he said, can somebody from corporate send something out reassuring them? Because GameStop hasn't done that. They're not reassuring their associates at all that they're going to be fine or safe. And he's like, can you please do something? Let's see what they respond. Um, well, I I think that we already have done that. Like, I sent out a couple of communications myself. Jim sent out a communication. Wow. We have um, another communication, which I referenced earlier, that's going out. But that's I think so condescending, they man. probably need to hear it from you because I think that, you know, as a store leader, you know, they don't work for me. They don't really know me. I mean, they, they've seen the communications that we sent out corporately, but really that face-to-face interaction with their store leader who, who can reassure them and have those conversations, especially after a conference call like this where you can share additional information with them. Did you hear how she said that? Well, I think we already did that. I mean, we're not going to do that again. I think we already did it. They're just asking for reassurance, and you won't even give them that. That is insane, man. Insane. And then she says, you should reassure them because you're the store leader. This dude's making like thirty grand a year, and you're making like 280000 a year or 300000 Freaking send an email and reassure them. You're the damn leader. What are you talking about? Well, he's the leader, so he... shut the hell up. You're the leader. You lead this company. These people are leaders. You're the executive team. You are leading them from the top. Send them a damn email and reassure them or close their stores and pay them. Are you shitting me? God, ooh, my blood's boiling, man. Are you, I think we already did that and you should just do it yourself. Are you shitting me? God, what a bunch of, mm, let's continue. I'm like, I'm like legitimately upset. I just, God, it makes me so angry. You've been hurt and we're taking it away and we're looking at it and evaluating it. I don't know if anybody else wants to weigh in on that. Well, 
certainly for myself, um, Janine, I know as a field leader group, we've been talking about everything from from gratitude to just being, you know, thankful for, for everything happening in front of us. I think Hannah's taken a real unique approach where I think, Hannah, you're doing some daily calls, 15-minute daily calls, where she's opened it up to every member of the team to ask your field leader any questions. I know um, our field group has a, a call after this call to talk about plans. Um, you know, if, if those are the things you need, Ty, and you have suggestions, like feel free to reach out to Rob, myself, um, whatever you need from us, we can certainly do. Here, what we don't want to do, though, is is come across as um, fake, right? Oh. So if suddenly we haven't been saying anything and then you, all you get is some, the written word, um, it lacks sincerity or, or authenticity. Um, but if you have some ideas, if, if people need a personal call here and there, I think we're, we're leading through empathy in this, and that's how we'll continue. So I, I value for everyone on this call any suggestions we can do. Um, so, yeah, yeah we're, we're open to it. I have a suggestion. Send your associates an email apologizing for handling this whole situation so poorly and then close the stores and pay them. That's my suggestion. But you aren't going to listen to that suggestion. Of course you're not. Of course you're not. Hi, this is uh, Sean from 1720. I just had a quick question. Um, sort of related. It's kind of a bit more tame than everything else. But uh, with the stores being on reduced hours, um, in situations like, for example, receipt request, everything, the emailing the head office, um, is head office itself on some sort of reduced hours, or can we, um, okay, no, so we can no, perfectly kind of... Not on, nope, we're yeah. not on reduced hours, we're all working full-time hours. In fact, I think if you polled most of us, we're working extended hours. Oh, oh, well, good. The home office isn't closed, they're actually at home which is what's happening. They're actually at home and just answering emails on their laptops. But if you polled them, they're actually working more hours than the people in the stores. What a bunch of jackasses, man. What a bunch of jackasses. Anybody else? It's Cody hey, from Jim. Big it's Joanne at 862. Hi. Um, so we ha I am in a situation where we had a staff member uh, text me and she's going to self-isolate and with everything that's going on I have a few staff that are a little little on edge right and sure. my, my thought process as we talk about this is like okay so we go ahead we do these launches um, we're gonna have mass amount of people has we thought farther ahead to say I can't control people that come out of isolation to get a game if or if or if not they're sick because really we can't control that nor can you and these bigger gatherings of 50 people or more and we're having all these people going in our store, what if we people do get more of the spread and stuff happens and like what if more people become sick because of certain things about of our control. Okay. It's a similar question that was before. What if people come in and they get sick because they can't control it? Like, what if, what if, if we're encouraging people to come in, like, what if people get sick because they're coming into our stores? Basically, what she's trying to say is, are we going to be held liable for that? That's what she's trying to be trying to say. Let's hear the response. It's out of your control, right? It, it just is, and that's the same for all of us. 
you know, I, I could go to the gas station today and, and use the pump after somebody who's exposed me to it, you know, yeah. or I could touch a product that somebody touched at the shopper's drug mart and, you know, you can get it, unfortunately. So, you know, I, I think the same sort of thing, um, we got to look at the communication, as, as Janine mentioned about, you know, self-isolation and also um, communicating with your field leader on it. If people are getting sick or they think they have the symptoms, they got to self-isolate. they got to stay at home, right? they got to quarantine themselves. And that, that's why it's important to keep communicating. But, you know, we also, we don't know the turnout for Friday. There's no doubt about it. It could, it could be people have decided to stay away. I, there's not a perfect answer for you because it's day by day and, and we got to follow the direction of the government. And, and this is why, you know, Janine and I, um, as executives in this company and with Jim and the other executives, um, are talking every day about it. So, okay. you know, you can take it to heart when I say that. I'm not just giving you an answer to move on to the next question for everybody. We're taking it to heart. We're very concerned about making sure we make the right decision because, you know what, um, there's a lot on the table for it without a doubt. And I'm not saying that like, no, we're staying open to save money. No, we got to think of each of you. And, and it, wow. it, it's, you know, it, it's a part of a daily conversation. So We're not staying open to save money, guys. Promise. Promise. We're not staying open to save money. Did you hear him? You can catch it at the gas station, so uh, can't control it. Can't get, you can you can control it. You can close your stores. <sighs> Let's continue. Uh, so Leah from eighty three. Um, so this is just something that I've I've kind of been noticing throughout the couple of days amongst like customers and other staff members and then like even on this call, like um, in regards to like our company, our image, and what we're doing to participate in helping to stop the spread of COVID nineteen. Um, honestly, like it feels like we're being really tarnished, guys. Like just to like put it very bluntly, like even our our customers, our staff, like everybody's very clearly scared and I know we're saying we're not trying to encourage people to go out we're not trying to do this um, by hosting like even a big game launch like we are in, uh, trying to encourage people to come and grab it right like we're doing our pre-order calls we're doing all that stuff we're getting people to come in and pick up I know we're a business trust me I definitely understand this but even in this call alone I've heard you like people said we're a hot location but we're not inviting people in we can't control what people are doing outside of our store while we're monitoring how people how many people are coming in at a time but by having these launches having these situations having these sales we are encouraging people to sit in large groups and everything like that and come in we're encouraging like close quarter contact like look at calgary how quickly they've jumped from just one gathering what happens if it ends up somebody who should be in quarantine but decided that they absolutely have to have this collector's edition for the game or their family who's not show, exhibiting uh, like you know symptoms right now comes in to grab it for them. They get a whole bunch of people infected and then one of our locations is now a reason why so many people are sick and there's such a strain on society and our health system. Like what are we going to do at this point? I know it's a tough question. I know you guys are trying to do things day by day but we have to start thinking ahead of this too. God, she was like nearly in tears, man. God, God. So her question is, hey, we're inviting people in. I know you can say all you want that we're not, but we are inviting people in. That's kind of their job is to invite people in. And people are going to be in large groups. And GameStop's directly going to be responsible for basically blowing this up. It's going to be huge. You know, they're going to be completely responsible for deaths. There will be deaths attached to GameStop's decision-making here. 
So, she's asking, when the hell are we going to think towards the future? Let's hear their response. Well, we are thinking ahead. We are. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, this is part of the day-to-day discussion. Without a doubt. And, and you know, I hear exactly what you're saying, but I don't have the answer for Friday right now. And and this is why we're having these discussions every single day about this, because we've heard these concerns right across the board. And this is why we're having these calls, so this can come to the forefront. But we are taking it and we are looking at every single day what our next step is. Uh, Brandon, from I think a big question that we're all wondering is, if we do wind up closing our stores, are staff going to be getting paid? Well, that was a very short and sweet question. If our stores are closed, will the staff be getting paid? Well, we already know what they're going to say to this. Well, I think we already kind of talked about that. We don't know. We were discussing, the, in all honesty, that's part of the discussions that we've been having, and we're trying to navigate through, you know, difficult uh, times with really uncharted territory. So we're trying to come up with a plan of action that is, is you know, going to support everybody. Um, and certainly we're trying to make the right decision. It's, it's so complex. And, you know, we are doing our best. I, I know for some of you that's, that's difficult to hear because you want us to have answers for you. The truth is, is that we just don't have all the answers at this point, but we're working hard to get them. Um, you know, we all have got a lot invested in, you know, this organization and, and in all of you, and we certainly want to do the right thing. She said, we certainly want to do the right thing. It's almost like they don't understand what the right thing is. The right thing is to close your stores and pay your associates. That's the only right thing. What do you mean, the right thing? Are you talking about the right thing for your wallet? Or are you talking about the right thing for the associates? Because, to me, it only seems like there's one right thing here. And they're, uh, they're not for that. So I don't think they actually know what the right thing is. I think they're talking about profit over people. Let's continue. So as soon as we have... As soon as we have um, answers and support that we can share, we certainly will do that. I'm sorry, I wish I had a better, I wish I had a better answer for you. I just had a question, like kind of piggybacking off of what Leah had said about just being socially responsible and other um, businesses such as like Fossil and like Lush have just like closed down their location, locations to be more socially responsible about what's going on. Um, is, and like for the backlash that we've gotten for the post for from EB Canada on Facebook about shutting stores down and people are just upset that we're open. Are you guys going to post anything social media wise? Um, just saying that you've heard those concerns from customers and that, you know, we're doing everything that we can. Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, just for, again, like just customers and like the backlash that we've gotten that we're still going to be open for Animal Crossing. Um, and the communication that was posted from on Facebook, it just, it didn't have that much information besides that like, hey, yeah, we're doing our part, but come get Animal Crossing. Are you guys going to post more or like just have a more social media presence? to address this and to be more socially responsible for what's going on? Yeah, I mean, again... <laughs> yeah? It's Enrico from Resident Evil 1. Is that Enrico's voice? Yeah? <laughs> I, 
I'm not in charge of social media. I'll, care, I'll, I'll discuss it with the social media team, right? Jamie Capitrillo leads that. Um, in terms of, um, so it's certainly, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to them about it, right? And, and we'll ensure the message is clear and we're doing our part, for sure. So far, they haven't really answered any questions straight other than, no, we're not going to pay you, and we're taking it day by day, which is pretty much every single question that has been answered. We're taking it day by day. They're not answering anything. I'm shocked. Well, I think at this point, you know, um, we will wrap it up. You guys can get back to your day. Um, as, you know, you've heard from Janine, Tiffany, Jeanette, uh, Paul, myself, keep the communication coming. And you know what? Um, it's uncharted. None of us have ever been through it before. It's a totally different scenario and situation. And, and it's unnerving, no, no doubt about it. There's anxiety, but I just ask you to, you know, keep supporting each other too. This is a great group that reaches out from store to store, province to province. Keep doing that. That, that means a lot to your fellow manager, your fellow AFMs, when other people are calling to see how things are going. Um, and keep reaching out. And again, I'll remind you, the field leaders on the call, to make sure you get out in front and are calling and supporting your teams. We're going to get through it. Without a doubt. So let's stay positive with it. Keep concerns coming. I really appreciate the, the questions and the thought everybody gave to things and to hopping on uh, the call here. And as more developments and, and updates are needed, we'll make sure you receive them. So I'll let you get back to your day. Thanks again, everyone. Um, you know, be safe. Have a great rest of the day uh, with your, your team and, and, you know. So that is the conference call that I was on. What do you think? What do you think? Okay? It is absolutely disgusting. Insane from their own mouths of the executives. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram and keep sending me your stories. That's how this is all possible. And let me know what you think. And don't forget to like this video if you enjoyed it and share it with every damn one. Because we can make a change. Small people can make a change. If we can get these stores to close and get these people paid, well, hell, that is a big deal. And I think we could do that. So show this to everybody you possibly can. So don't forget, there's something I always say. Make sure, make sure you don't forget to get on it, doggone it. Or should we have Solid Snake himself say it? Camelot, 331. Get on it, doggone it. Hell yes. Bye. Yeah. So that was the uh, recording of the YouTube video that I linked in the uh, thing here, but it, it pretty much plays back to like, you know, what my original listeners would have pointed out. We're looking at the profit motive here. You have a corporation of people beholden to only to their shareholders trying to figure out how best to continue to sell video games and not really taking much in the way of precautions to prevent their employees from being infected with the virus you know, not providing cleaning products to allow them to clean, you know, the products that they were going to be taking and used, you know, not providing hand sanitizer, you know, just for interacting, you know, that, and, and essentially insinuating that, hey, if you want that stuff, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. That's just, when you're in a profit motive, you know, motivated situation, basically what GameStop is looking at, you know, as they lick their chops is, oh, look at this, a pandemic situation where everybody wants video games because, they know that they're going to be sitting around in their houses endlessly and not allowed to leave, you know, um, and that rather than even considering remotely any kind of like humanitarian issues, it's all about how can we move as much product as possible 
in this circumstance, even if we have to put the lives of our employees in danger. You know, um, and when you get to the part of the video where essentially he's just, you know, they're talking to him like, okay, are people still going to get paid when they close the stores? You know, this just kind of points back to why capitalism is not a system that's really well designed for crisis because, you know, from the work, you know, from the corporate perspective, well, why should we pay you if you're not working for us? You know, that's the end of our contract, so to speak. You know, they don't really care beyond that. And in a capitalist system, they're not really expected to. You know, that is one of the things I thought was kind of funny when I was listening to one of Donald Trump's addresses about this issue um, when they, you know, more or less said, well, yeah, people's employers are just going to have to continue to pay them. You know, in other words, they're just going to tell the businesses that you have to keep paying them anyway. Um, you know, which, especially if you're talking about, say, a small business owner, that's just that's just impractical and ridiculous. So um, anyway, um, that was more or less what I wanted to do today, provided that Blog Talk doesn't count this as an episode tomorrow. <laughs> Um, I will be on tomorrow uh, with a candidate for president who is a, actually a former governor and a senator, and he's going for the Libertarian National, or I'm sorry, the Libertarian nomination. Um, and I will be hosting a lot of Libertarian candidates. I'm going to be reaching out to the Green Party, going to be reaching out to the Constitution Party, um, and I'm going to look into the, the Socialist Party had a few different incarnations, so I'm going to try to find one of them too. Um, and so I, that means I have. A uh, guest for tomorrow, I haven't finalized that. I have a guest for Sunday, already finalized. I have a guest tentatively next Tuesday, and I will be looking to put out new episodes every single day throughout this pandemic. If I have to skip every now and then, I'll probably try to double up on a different day. Um, so thanks again um, for tuning in to V Radio. I hope you enjoyed the this episode. Um, tune in tomorrow, tune in the day after tomorrow, tune in every day. I'm going to try to give you a spin of a sensible position <laughs> um, you know, of common current events. And I'm going to bring on a lot of guests. If there's anybody that you'd like me to bring on, maybe there's a third party candidate, maybe there's an independent candidate who you think you'd like to hear from on my show. Um, that'd be great. You know, it'll give you something to listen to and it'll give me something to do. Thanks again, folks. I'm going to leave you with the same quote from George Carlin I gave earlier. Now, to balance the scale, I'd like to talk about some things that bring us together. Things that point out our similarities instead of our differences. Because that's all you ever hear about in this country is our differences. That's all the media and the politicians are ever talking about, the things that separate us, things that make us different from one another. That's the way the ruling class operates in any society. They try to divide the rest of the people. They keep the lower and the middle classes fighting with each other so that they, the rich, can run off with all the fucking money. <laughs> Fairly simple thing happens to work. You know anything different, that's what they're going to talk about. Race, religion, ethnic and national background, jobs, income, education, social status, sexuality, anything you can do, keep us fighting with each other so that they can keep going to the bank. You know how I describe the economic and social classes in this country? The upper class keeps all of the money, pays none of the taxes. The middle class pays all of the taxes, does all of the work. The poor are there just to scare the shit out of the middle class. <laughs> Keep them showing up at those jobs. Good night, everybody.